Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. I'm Carter, and I'm joined by Carrie. Hello. From uh, Unlocation. An undisclosed location, yes. Uh, how are you? I'm well. I started I'm well. reading the book. I know I told you. I did you. not. Uh, it's amazing. So if you guys don't know, well, first of all, welcome to Unsafe Space. If it's your first time here, this is a live show we do. Mondays and Fridays, and then we also have a couple of series. We interview people sometimes. Uh, we have interviews with people like Brett Weinstein, James Lindsay, Zuby, uh, Dr. William Allen. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of interesting people. Sometimes We've cartoonists like Sean. Like Sean. Friday. We yeah. just had uh, the guy, Sean uh, Coughlin. Sean McNamara, not Sean, Seamus. Oh, why did I say Sean? I was I thinking know. of uh, social justice warrior, or actual justice warrior. Is he oh, Sean? Yeah. He's Sean Fitzgerald. Yeah. So we that's had, that's also a great Irish name. We had Seamus McNamara Coughlin on, and he's the guy who, he's the animator behind um, uh, Freedom Tunes, which is on YouTube. It's hilarious, and that was fun. But yeah, so recently, within the past few months, we got to interview Cameron Pasha, who is a Muslim screenwriter, anti-woke, has suffered repercussions for that, of course. And most recently, if you're not aware, he's been perma-banned on Twitter uh, for other BS reasons, just like our- spam reasons. and manipulation is what they told him, right? Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. they said for, for manipulation and spam. By so. the way, we finally heard, so we got banned, Unsafe Space got banned um, uh, January 11th. And we just heard from them now on, what is today, March 8th, we heard from them recently, finally, about why we were banned. Did they say the same thing? Spam? No. Uh, what'd they say? I think it was Friday when they sent... I'll read the thing. Hold on. I, I'm going to obviously appeal this again. Uh, it was the 5th, so three days ago. Uh, we've been suspended for violating their rules against ban evasion, which is odd considering we had never been banned and weren't <laughs> doing anything that would... Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're evading the ban you didn't have. So we're yeah. banning you. So we're banning you, but you're evading that you never had. Um, anyway, I mentioned Cameron Pasha, who's been recently banned from Twitter, because he's the one in his interview, he told us, we get lots of book recommendations and our list is very long. We have to make it through the whole list by the time we perish. But <laughs> we're not <laughs> going to make it through the list because the list is ever growing. <laughs> but Cameron suggested this book, The Fourth Turning, and we alternate between fiction and nonfiction at the Unsafe Space Book Club. So you can join us if you want to join us this month. We're reading The Fourth Turning. It's by William Strauss and Neil Howe. And he basically said this book is going to maybe give you a good way of thinking about this, a good perspective on the culture war that we're in and this dystopia that we're entering and kind of a historical perspective on it that that puts it in context and i can tell you i started it and it, he was right but you this like is, it so far okay. this is great yes okay and you want to start reading it now because we're doing book club on march 28th it's free to join and participate you just go to unsafespace.com to the book club page and uh drop us and send us an email at speak at unsafespace.com if you want to be in the video part of the discussion or you can just be in the chat like today and the next book after that is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. If you want to get a head start, I know some people like to have extra long lead time. That's not until May 2nd, but that's the fiction book. That's the next fiction book. Um, I've never read see. that book, so 
I'm excited. It, that's a fun one. It's an easy read. Uh, yeah, that'll be fun and easy. Um, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, by the way. Anything you can do to help us out uh, in that arena is good to spread the word. And if you want to support us, you can go to unsafespace.com slash donate where you can donate in a whole bunch of ways. Or you can just buy stuff at the store, including – I'm going to plug this again. I don't know if I'm supposed to plug a different piece of merchandise. I'm so bad at this. But here's our 15 days to, to slow the spread shirt that you could buy at unsafespace.com slash shop if you want to. We hit our 15 days in Texas after a year. You did. And yes. Yeah. And uh, I know I've been getting congratulations from people in other states and people who are saying, aren't you so happy that Texas is open now? And I was talking about this with my fella. I'm like, I kind of, I am happy, of course, but I'm still I'm angry. We never should have been locked down in the first place. We never should have had mask mandates in the first place. And it was a year and, and the damage has already been done to countless small businesses. I know just in my little town of small businesses that went under and live music was decimated in Austin. And, but you know, what's crazy is there's this sort of Stockholm syndrome happening now where because psychologically, we don't know the impacts of, of all this mask wearing on humans, especially kids. I know we've talked about this. We don't, we're like guinea pigs. What does this do to us? Well, one thing I've seen that it's done to people I know is it's made some people who already had pre-existing like germophobia issues or types of anxiety, it's made that worse. It's exacerbated it. And they're now dealing with that. And I know some of them are trying to get past that. And, um, but it, but it's basically said all of these paranoias that you have are valid and, and, it just threw gasoline. Except for the paranoia about government being out of control. Right. Except for that paranoia. That the government do what they want, right? And so we've already seen it in Austin. Austin is particularly woke. And because the legacy media and the powers that be, the political elite, tried to make the mask mandates, they tried to make it into a partisan issue. And then sheep just kind of went along with whatever their tribe was oh, this is now a tribal thing. I guess I'll go over here when it wasn't. It's not a right-left thing. It's an authoritarian versus individualism thing. There's a lot of people, a lot of progressives and people on the left who believe in individualism who never went along with the tribal things they were being told. I know some of them. They're the ones who do the weekly protests against the mass mandate in my little town. They're on the left. Um, but the majority of people just kind of seem to go along with this right-left um, false dichotomy. And so... So now what's happening is you see all these woke leftist run businesses in Austin who are virtue signaling and putting all this stuff on their social media about how they're still going to require masks. And um, so here's my thoughts about this. Just if you happen to be in Texas, I saw a couple of great posts over the weekend that made me think about this. Um, one is my friend Kristen was saying, you need to call you need to call the businesses that are still imposing mass mandates and just let them know your opinions because they're only hearing from the Karens. They're only hearing from the mass cults, from the authoritarians. So you need to call them and don't be rude or angry or yell or anything. Of course, just say calmly and rationally why you oppose mass mandates and why you believe in freedom of choice and that they should allow customers to choose and that you won't be frequent. If you decide you're not going to frequent their business, then let them know that too. And the other thing is that I was thinking, I tried this. I went into a, a, a coffee shop in my little, my little town's getting woke too. And I went into the coffee shop. I was inspired by a friend of mine there who she went in and they, she asked them if they were going to continue their mask policy. And they said, 
she might be watching actually. They said, they said they were. And so she just made a joke. She said, Oh, okay. 15 more days to slow the spread. <laughs> 15, just make a joke. Cause it makes them puts them on the spot and it makes them think, you know? Uh, but the, the thing I did, I went into the same coffee shop later and I just asked them, I went in, they said, Oh, I'm sorry. You have to wear masks. I said, Oh, I don't wear them. And they said, Oh, well, we require them here. And so I just had a conversation with them. I just said, Oh, so, but you know, the governor said that we don't have to, there's no mandate anymore. And these were young, youngish girls. And they said, Oh, well, we're pro They were like primed to say, well, we're a private company and we can do. And I said, Oh, I know. I know you're a private company. You can do what you want, but I, it's weird. I thought your owners were liberals. Like, aren't they liberals? And they're kind of like, what? And I was like, because I'm pro-choice. Are are the are I thought you guys are you guys pro-choice? Because I believe in like my body, my right to choose. Like you're not letting your customers choose. And they were just dumbfounded. And it it was like so have that kind of conversation with them. I was even thinking I might start a petition and just get signatures outside of some of these businesses and just start off with ask when people come up, be like, hey, are you pro-choice? Do you have a minute? Um, cool. So we want to, we're, here's a signature petition to end the, the mask requirement <laughs> at this restaurant. <laughs> I'm a big fan of just voting with your dollars and letting good business owners figure it out and <laughs> shitty business owners go out of business. And to that end or and point case in point, I'll say case in point, uh, I will not share numbers because I, they were probably confidential, but I don't think the rest of this story is confidential. Uh, Marie Buskey, as we know, runs skeins yarn in uh I, you can't say if it's down under what's new zealand do they have a thing is there a slang for new zealand anyway it's up, and um, <laughs> up and over uh <laughs> down and over to the left uh she um she was telling me that they have an annual sale every year and as you know she did not bow to the mob they were attacked oh, wow. by the social justice warriors they did not bow to the mob and she reported that their first day of their annual sale was over. They, they still had seven hours left in the in the sale day, and they had already more than doubled from the previous year their sales that day. And it's a success. It's a business success. She, I love that. Looked at. She looked at the 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 screaming woke. She recognized that they were a vocal minority, and that most people didn't feel that way. She yeah. stuck to her guns. And her business is thriving as a result of it. So uh, I, you know, I don't really care about convincing Karens who run businesses to stop doing what they're doing. Just stop shopping there. Let the, let the Marie Buskies steal their business. I'm looking at me. if she's in chat. I don't see her yet, but congratulations, Marie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope I didn't share too much. She'll, uh, that, I'm like, she's going to cut me off from my chocolate supply if I shared too much information, but I don't think I did. Uh, I apologize if I did, Marie. But well, no, the gist of the story is just it's not a death sentence for your business if you stand up for the vocal. No. Against the vocal minority. No, not at all. Not at all. And you want, look, let the free market work. Just if there's a coffee shop that doesn't have masks and coffee shops that do require masks, go to the one that doesn't require masks. Yeah. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to sign petitions. You don't have to yell at them. Let them die. Let you them don't go out of business. To, I just find it kind of, you know, it tickles me. So, <laughs> oh, Marie is in chat. She says chocolate supply is safe. <laughs> Good. I was I was uh, treading on thin ice there for a moment. I wasn't sure. <laughs> uh, 
let's do uh let's do a couple super chats <clears throat> since we have a couple super chats hello and, guys uh, there's a lot of people here there are a lot of people here what have we got all right let's see uncle bubba <laughs> i love that <laughs> uncle bubba all right i think the first super chat we already missed but it is from g-man and it's is following their rules considered ban evasion <laughs> talking about our twitter ban yeah probably <laughs> maybe being aware of their terms of service hey we noticed that you read our terms of service. That's ban evasion. Hey, we noticed you're, you're not doing anything that would let us ban you. That's ban evasion. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> you're playing by the rules. You're trying to evade a ban. Banned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You laugh, but that's not far from the truth, I think. Um, all right. Dan Trainer says, any chance we have a carry rant today? Love those. Fun. Thanks. I, I don't oh. know. Gary, I don't know. I don't know. They're kind of impulsive when they happen. We'll see. Although the topic today, one of the topics is really disgusting and rant worthy. Yeah, I, I could, I can see a rant possible today. So, well, th speaking of that topic, should we get into it? Yeah. All right. I don't know. I'm in such a good mood, and now we're going to talk about this awful. <laughs> you don't want to ruin the mood. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about awfulness. Uh, well. Rants yeah, we are. They do. Yeah, rants have to be organic. Uh, okay, so let's. So, all right. There's this uh, trans activist and writer who went by Dark Matter on uh, Facebook, and this, as far as I could tell, this stuff came. It was as it's as old as 2016 when this person first said this, uh, and there's a Facebook post to kind of that looks like. It came from this person in 2016, but we haven't totally corroborated. Um, and here's here's what they said. We'll just read it. Here's the here's the person. Uh, their name is. Can you take me off screen so I can read yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. Don't worry. I'm just a slow editor, a slow producer. Uh, okay. Um, Alok Vaid Menon, I guess. I don't know how to pronounce it. This person says, these days, the narrative is that transgender people will come into bathrooms and abuse little girls. Uh, by the way, the person who's saying this is a hairy-armed, hairy-chested man dressed up as a woman in a uh, dress and some jewelry. Okay. These days, the narrative is that transgender people will come into bathrooms and abuse little girls. The supposed purity, purity's in quotes, the supposed purity of the victims, that's right, the supposed purity of the victims has remained stagnant. There are no princesses. Little girls are also kinky. Your kids aren't as straight and narrow as you think. We can pause on that before we say what happened as a result of this, but um, this is a uh, slightly edited, but not in a deceptive way version of this post from 2016 on Facebook um, where there are no fairy tales of princess. Little girls are also queer, trans, kinky, deviant, kind, mean, beautiful, ugly, blah, blah, blah. This person is, is saying all this stuff. So trans activist and writer Alok Vaid Manan. So I guess we can say what happened next, Carrie, unless you want to comment before we move forward. Well, yeah, I kind of, I kind of do. I mean, this is just, this is what I said we were talking about today is disgusting. This is disgusting, but it's also, 
I know that they, I know that there are, if there are social justice people watching, they're going to try and pretend and convince themselves that this is just a minority of people within the social justice ideology and that this isn't representative and, you know, of their beliefs. And it may not be representative of your beliefs, but I disagree with them. I do not think this is a tiny minority of people. I think it's growing. And, and I think the belief system, it, if you look at where all of the, the ideology leads, it, it, it necessarily is going to lead to them trying to normalize which this person is doing, trying to normalize sexualizing kids and pedophilia. I mean, what he's saying is that little girls are kinky that they're, if they're, if they're sexually abused in the restroom, well, we're just assuming they didn't want it. Right. Like, yeah. So awful. Yeah. It, they're trying to normalize. I don't know that this is a large percentage of people that believe this, but they are definitely trying to normalize it and they're having success normalizing it, which is a problem. But um, look, this is the group of people that I would say rightly says, um, for example, we heard this throughout the 80s and 90s and for decades. If a woman is wearing seductive clothing or short skirts or low cut blouse or whatever, if a woman is wearing uh, clothing that displays her sexuality, she that doesn't mean she is in any way responsible for harassment or rape or anything that she would be victim to. Anyone that, that chooses to, uh, any predator that preys on her, doesn't get to say, well, look at how she was dressed. That's not a, we were correctly taught that that's not an excuse, right? It's not an excuse. So we're saying, hey, adult perpetrators have, the blame is on them. They're responsible for their behavior, not their adult victims. Their adult victims are not responsible for their behavior. But the purpose of this quote, what this trans activist is saying is that, when it comes to children, well, they're kind of a little bit responsible. They're kind of a little bit responsible for their victimhood. We can prey on children and they're a little bit responsible for their victimhood. That's the reason that this is being said. It's not, this is not a psychological commentary on, you know, teens exploring their sexuality, which I think would be a valid commentary unrelated to this whole thing. The fact that teens have questions and don't understand things and frankly aren't capable of consent in many ways, which is why we have laws, right? Like, yeah, sure. Teens are not fully baked. We get that. That's why we have laws to protect them. The reason that this person is saying this is to excuse predatory behavior by passing some of the blame to the child victim, which is one of the most vile things I can possibly think of trying to do. It is, it's, absolutely disgusting and the word i'll use which can be a segue to what happened is it's demonic even no it's not segue yet i'm sending you something right. because i i do want to i do want to hammer home that this is um in the belief system itself and i'm sending you do you remember carter when we went through i got those boxes from um oh. my dad brought all these boxes from my college stuff yes and I, I still haven't gone through all of it, but I just looked at the first few things on top. Do you remember that? And there were some stuff from my yes. women's studies minor in there from Duke. And mm -hmm. um, I was just taken aback 
at some of it now, looking at it now. So this is from a class. I'm sending you a document. There's two pages, but it's one document. This is from a class I took for my women's studies minor at Duke University roundabout the end of the 90s. <laughs> uh, and this we is... We vague um, on, the, on the date. Well, yeah, I graduated in 2000. That's fine. This is uh, uh, from a class called Sex and Sexuality. And then we were reading. I want to see when the source material was published because this has been in it for a long time. There's a lot of these radical. So at the time, some of them were called like radical feminists. I think that now they wouldn't be called that because the radical feminists oppose a lot of the trans ideology. But um, this, this is uh, prior to the big split. Right. This is prior to the big split. And there was a lot of stuff we were reading that was kind of trying to get you to question the age of consent. Okay, so that's the first page. Look, scroll down to like number eight. Alrighty, I'm on here. I'm gonna center it a little bit better. Uh, oh, eight's on the second page here. Let's yeah. See. Here we go. And can you take me off screen? Yeah, I know you're slow, but. <laughs> hey. <laughs> True, but. Not very nice. Okay. Uh, yeah, here, we'll put this on full screen. Okay, can you see number eight very clearly? Yeah, now this is, uh, it's talking about Ruben. I'm pretty sure this was Gail Ruben. She had an essay called Thinking Sex. I'm pretty sure this is who we were reading at the time. And look at number eight. How do we feel that Ruben includes pedophilia as a personal freedom and right that is infringed upon. Is our first possibly offended reaction an example of how entrenched we are in nonsensical sex law? Meaning that because we're so used to thinking that the status of quote minor in quote is a factual reality when really it's a social construction we perpetuate the heterosexist hierarchical valuation of sexual behavior that Ruben's concerned about. Can I just point something out? Yeah. The question is not, how do you think? What do you think about it? It's how do you feel about it? Which is so indicative of this entire discipline. There's <laughs> no thought is required. This is just about how you feel about stuff. How do you feel about it, Carrie? Yeah. Did you how answer you this question? Did you have to write about this? We had to write about this. I need. I really need to go through the rest of my course material because I bet there's a bunch of other crap in there like this. So I was get. I was studying this stuff. I was being indoctrinated into social justice, 1997 to 2000, right? Like, th yeah. this is a long time ago. This is a long time in the making, and they've been teaching this stuff. That it's been 20 years ago. You know, they've been teaching this stuff to college kids. That was an elite university. And now it's like trickle down. It's it's not just at the elite universities anymore. You know, they're teaching this stuff and stuff related to this foundational social justice, critical race theory, intersectionality, all these texts. They're teaching it in elementary school. And she wasn't the only one. Gail Rubin wasn't the only one that did this, that tried to get you to question whether, hey, is it just a social? Is the idea of, of uh, being a minor, is the idea that you shouldn't sexually... Uh, you know, interact with with kids sexually. Is that just a social construction? That's yeah. This is embedded in the belief system. This is where it goes eventually. Well, and they, they hid behind uh, the academic facade 
during the 80s and 90s and even early 2000s where they could claim we're just talking theoretically we're just having theoretical discussions this is just a thought experiment or in this case a feeling experiment we're, we're just we're not doing anything about it we but just of course, know how you feel about it yeah but of course now they are like the reason that they were having those thought and feeling experiments with college-aged children or or young adults in uh in the 80s and 90s and and beyond was precisely because those young adults would grow up to go out into the world and then actually implement this crappy ideology yeah which is what we're seeing well thank you thank you for taking that side sidetrack with me because i think it's important yeah. it's just, yeah, it's no, it's just good. In, it is embedded in the belief system and so you know parents pay my parents paid a lot of money and i took out a lot of loans to be able to go to a prestigious university and get a degree studying this crap <laughs> and thinking i was i i don't know like thinking i was i was I was so arrogant back then, you know, like you're thinking you're, you're learning things that are making you're a smarter person and um, that you're, you know, morally this belief system tells you that it's about doing good and being good. And, you know, I started to believe, I believed my family was like backwards, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, my I mean, they appeal to your desire to be sanctimonious. Yeah. Right. And feel special about yourself. I had an I had to take an extra uh, course over the summer one summer I can't remember I needed an I needed like half a credit or something, and I ch I took African dance which was fun I loved it, but my poor long suffering dad is like he came out to, and this is while I'm doing the women's studies minor too and he's he came out to see my performance my poor dad and he's like but he was also asking why aren't you why didn't you take economics with that credit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like that's a good dad, question, Dad. Get it? You just don't get it, Dad. Yeah, Dad. <laughs> the future is African dance and pedophilia. Um. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, you know what? I'm wondering actually yeah. if elite universities get away with it even more because they already have an elitist air to them. Like if you're at Harvard, you already feel special because you're at Harvard. Yeah. And well, I'm not at State. I'm at Harvard. Yeah. So. I can have intellectual discussions about pedophilia without you yelling at me because oh, totally. we're just we're just we're snooty and special and we can think on a deeper level at a higher plane of existence because we're an elite university right I, whereas if you try and get away with that at your community college you get lynched because they're like this is a pedophile get rid of this person yeah absolutely um, it's the veneer of of credibility authority right respectability, all that stuff. So the worst people hide behind the thickest veneers, basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they they burrow deep into the elite universities. These elite universities. <laughs> pushing <laughs> terrible things. Anyway. Yeah. Then we can talk yeah. about what happens. So that... No, wait, that, wait, wait. Before we before we do that, there's one other thing I'm I'm thinking of. I um, I was thinking about this. I've heard a lot of arguments I hear are, well, kids used to get, like, young, young girls used to be married much younger. I mean, some of our, like even some of our grandparents or great grandparents were married very, very young. And they say, see, it's just a social construct. It's, it's, this is not a normal thing. Like, you know, kids should be sexualized. Um, Muhammad married a nine-year-old, <laughs> whatever, right? Mar yeah. Married in quotes. Um, 
and they and they'll talk about that historically but they never point out the thing that they're happy to point out in every other scenario but not when it's not convenient and that is one of the main reasons that women were married super early was because they were basically property they were being given away and traded like property they didn't this wasn't a celebration of oh you're 12 you've come into your own and you're and you're fully developed and can make your own decisions it was you're 12 that's old enough for me to marry off and get a you know you know, get rid of you get you into another family like it was women were treated as property so a lot of these times when they look at historically and they say like oh well these things happened when they were very young yeah but not because it was moral not because it was moral also life expectancy was a lot shorter so things happened in a compressed time frame but the idea that like that somehow justifies this behavior in modern society is is ridiculous and they don't bother to mention any of that they're happy to talk about how women were treated as property when it when it helps them but the moment that you point out well do you think maybe they were being abused when they were being you know sent off to marry someone at the age of 14 oh well no not in that case in that case uh it was just they hadn't succumbed to our horrible social construction mm. you know, a, lot right. of, a lot of cults as you know i don't know i'm still obviously fascinated by cults yeah. um and read a lot about them and watch a lot of do documentaries and um not all cults obviously but a lot of cults reach a point where they try and justify pedophilia. The children of God cult. Have you ever heard of that one? I have, but I don't know which one that is. I've heard the phrase though. Yeah. That's it. Uh, look up that one when you have time. I mean, they got to a point where they were just like this trans activist, SJW activist, whoever, who posted this, they, they basically were saying, and just like Gail Rubin, esteemed women's studies, you know, uh, academic, they were saying that, uh, that this is just as that the idea of the age of consent is just a social construct. And, you know, you're getting in the way of kids exploring their natural <laughs> sexuality or kinkiness. Like this person says kinkiness. It's just right. thoroughly disgusting. Right. Um, anyway. Right. And, you know, I, I don't want to get into that too much, but if they want to make an argument that kids explore their sexuality, that would be with other kids. They're making the argument because they want to pray. It's like a 35 or 40 year old. Like, well, they experiment naturally with people twice their age. Like, no, 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 no. And look at, it's Camille, uh, Camille Paglia who talks a lot about the signs that you see before the fall of every civilization <laughs> that's falling. Right. It's one of those. It's like the look at how society treats the weakest among us the most vulnerable among us how do you treat kids and in all of these civilizations that have fallen what's one of the things that happens to, in the in stages they try to normalize child abuse se child sexual abuse yeah i mean even even like uh i mean even like the weimar republic right when things were getting sometimes what happens is things start going in that direction and what ends up happening is the pushback, the valid pushback goes way too far on the authoritarian 
end and goes crazy and evil f- in a different direction, um, which I think you mm-hmm. could argue was happened in the Weimar Republic. Yes, it goes but, the other way as yeah. a reaction. Right. But Sir John Glove talks about this as well, like the the fall of empires and, yeah, all this kind of crap happening towards the end. I don't know if he mentions um, children's sexuality specifically, but, yeah, uh, lack of morality, mm-hmm. um, just kind of debauchery generally becoming very popular. Um, all right. So let's – I was going to do Super Chats, but we haven't even finished the story. So let's move on. So this person says this. We've just had a discussion about it right someone else has a similar view um this person is lauren witzke i'm not sure i think that's how you say it she retweeted this and she just put the word demonic that's all she said she retweeted that tweet i showed you and she put the word demonic and as a result you know where Twitter stands on this. She was banned. And by the way, I think she's still banned. This is her Twitter profile, so still yeah. suspended. Um, so here she is. This is the, a screen capture of her retweeting this with the word demonic. And she's banned. I mean, there's not really any more to the story. You know how these kind of websites try and make a long story out of nothing. But yeah, this is it. This is what she did, and she was banned. So that tells you exactly what you need to know about where Twitter stands on this. And, Carrie, it is um, related to what you were saying earlier, which is it's not not a a minority position. Like, yeah, maybe not a lot of people actually believe this, but it is becoming normalized. Twitter is trying to normalize this by, by banning one word criticism of it you're not allowed to criticize it and call the call the normalization the attempted normalization of child sexual sexual abuse if you call that demonic twitter will ban you that's right so it's being protected yeah i mean that i mean you know, there's a case. I don't know how Twitter could like who's I don't how does Jack sleep at night with that? Jack doesn't. I think Jack is probably so out of it. I don't think he's even <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I just <laughs> That's, sorry, just I, that's a trite thing to say, but not based on anything. Just my gut is that he's just checked out. Um there there is a case recently. Oh, I should have pulled this up in preparation. I didn't think about it beforehand though. There's a case that's that's working its way through the courts right now that Mike Cernovich highlighted where a child sexual abuse victim um, tried to get Twitter to take down the porn that had been made. Oh, we talked about that case. Yeah. yeah. And Twitter looked at the tweets, looked at the porn that had been made of this underage person against their will and and verified their age, verified they were a minor, and still didn't take it down. Right. Left the child porn up. And yep. that person is suing Twitter. Right. Yep. Rightfully so. I don't think they yep. care. It's worse than that they don't care. It's it's I mean, I like actually the word demonic here because it's a good overall um it's a great metaphor, even even if you don't believe in in demons. It, it's a great metaphor for just how to view what's going on. Like there's just it's just possessed by demon. It's just this like they want they they do everything every mis, every so called mistake they make 
errs on the side of promoting evil and yeah. and su and suppressing justice everything everything they do it's like oh well i because i think in that case they're like well that was a mistake we eventually fixed it like yeah but isn't that common? You, you, uh, why is that? Why are these the kind of mistakes that you're making? And when someone points them out, you don't you don't even care. You don't apologize. You don't. It's just. Oh, well, we're moving on. Yeah, we're going to ban this person for saying this is demonic. Um, well, you know, I'm as a I'm a Christian and I do believe in demons. Uh, oh, great. That's going to be a great, embarrassing clip uh, <laughs> that you believe in demons. No, let's cut that. Look, she's crazy. Uh, no, I, I, mean, I believe in, here, let me put it this way. I heard, I heard Jordan Peterson give a lecture once where he was talking about how people can become possessed by, you know, the Carl Jung quote about how people can become possessed by ideas rather than, I think the quote is, you know, people don't have ideas, ideas have people. And, and I also heard him talking about in an interview, um, uh, or at least he made me think about, I can't remember if he talked about this or I just thought about it as a result, but, but it was about the idea of how people can be possessed by emotions as well, like anger or um, wrath or. By the way, <laughs> you're reminding me of something. I just wanted to bring this up because I was fascinated by it. Jordan Peterson says that he refers to Carl Jung. It turns out nothing new in history. This is someone writing right after the French Revolution. It's been correctly pointed out that the French Revolution leads men more than men lead it. The observation is completely justified, and although it can be applied to all great revolutions, more or less, it has never been more striking than at this present period. No, I, harder. I, nothing's is, new. This is why you're going to love this book, The Fourth Turning. Okay. I'm telling you. It's, it's, right. And uh, my fellow is reading this book about the occult right now, and it has a lot to do with uh, France, like you would really love this book. And he's reading that and he started reading parts of mine and he was listening to, I guess, Tim Poole talked about the fourth turning recently, which I haven't watched. I don't want to watch it till after I read the book, but um, he said that this is all connected. It just helps you to see the patterns, the cycles throughout history and how, like you said, there's nothing new under the sun. Human yeah. beings, especially in groups behave the same. We see these same patterns over and over. And I don't know. It's fascinating, but yeah, I think, I think, People can be possessed by emotions. And um, I think there are things in the world I don't understand that I can't logically um, explain. And, you know, we've talked about this before. I mean, part of the reason, like, I, I don't even, I don't try to explain my belief in God unless somebody really wants to know, because it's hard for me to even put it into words. But, but uh, I believe the same thing about darkness. I believe in darkness and evil. And, and do I believe that that possesses people? I do. Like, if you look at one of the cases I always come back to, I've mentioned it before, but for me, it really encapsulates evil is the case that unfolded in New York a few years ago with the nanny who uh, killed the oh, two yeah. children she had been um, taking care of for years. And she killed them in a horrifically violent way. And she, and she waited for the mom to come home to find them because she really just wanted the mom to, like it was about her hatred of the mother. But yeah. I think of something like that. And I'm like, that woman is possessed by evil. And if you want to call that a demon, so be it. Like you can think of it as a demon or, or what have you, but you're possessed by something really dark. And I think it's possible for people to, to get completely taken over by darkness. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, for me, it's just it's metaphorical. I don't think there's anything metaphysically, like there's no metaphysical spirit. But I think it just because I can't, and but I, I agree, I couldn't explain like what the hell possesses someone to do that. Like do that. I, I don't know, but the, yeah, like it's worth having a metaphor for because it's so horrific. Um, my friend yeah. believes. One of my atheist friends, not you, obviously. <laughs> we one of my friends believes that he doesn't believe in evil and he believes that everything like that can one day be explained by medical science and that, you know, a woman, a person like that, you could uh, figure out what it is that's mentally wrong with that woman scientifically and then medically or whatever right. and give her a pill and prevents stuff like that from happening. I don't think so. That's well, I, not I'm not opposed to that either. Yeah. Possibly you can. That doesn't make it not evil. Yeah. <laughs> like evil is the value judgment I give to the behavior. So like, Maybe you have a brain tumor that makes you evil. I don't know, but still evil. Yeah. <laughs> don't care. Um, like the, the, I don't need an explanation in order to call it like the explanation doesn't make it not evil to me just because we know the mechanism. I'm if, like, if we did, uh, which I don't think we do in this case, um, you know, a, 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 to me, it doesn't matter, but, uh, yeah. Let's do some super chats unless we want to dwell on murdering children, which is really this bringing me down. I told you guys we started in good spirits and this is a dark subject matter. It's bringing today. me down. Let's, let's move. Fun. Maybe someone will talk about something fun in super chats. Um, yeah. 2A self-defense law says many states allow signs uh, back by law keeping people out of businesses with guns. Oh, they uh, yeah, okay. Soon we will have similar laws for naked faces. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. You can't, you yeah. can't, you, you have to, you can't bring a naked face into the store. No shirt, no shoes, no mask, no service. Yeah. Um, someone, um, I forget who it was and I, f I'm sorry, I forget who it was, but someone shared a, a manga with us that was, I think, did they mention it last show? Maybe that's where it came from. Anyway, someone shared it with me and it was, um, I think it's called the new normal. I don't really read manga normally, but uh, I wanted to check it out oh, because it's kind of fun. Yeah, someone gave us that suggestion. Yeah, it's, it's a fun one. I checked it out, and it's like it's a it's a world. I mean, it's not very different from today. It's a world in which uh, the generation of kids has just grown up with masks always, and uh, they kind of fetishize mouths. They're like, oh, I, I saw your mouth. Like, you know, if you see someone's mouth, it's like a big sexual, it's like a big deal. Um, and the girls in the school are like, there's there's guys like looking at it like a, a magazine where the mask is like a thin, thin, like veil. So you can kind of see the mouth. And the girls are like, guys who like mouths are perverts and disgusting. Like, like, it's, it's, it's a pretty fun yeah, manga. manga. Yeah. Like, You're not that far off. <laughs> no, no, it's very similar to where we are today. <sighs> <laughs> All right, let's do another one. Sun Thief says, Carrie, you inspired me to start civil dinners in Pensacola, Florida, using the methods of Marshall Rosenberg, nonviolent communication. See his vids on YouTube. Good. Excellent. Awesome. That makes me very happy. Thank you for telling me. By the way, me. I don't have to be reading Super Chats. Are you logged into the Super Chat thing? Or do you want me no, to? No, because I figured I'm at an undisclosed location. My setup is really messed up here anyway. I just didn't okay. try it. That's fine. Sue Escobar says, I recommend people check out Lori Handrahan's book, Epidemic, Framing It as Child Torture, 
Handrahan discusses this rampant pedophilia among elites. I have never. You know what? That. I I gotta be honest. I tried to read a book about this. Uh, it was crap. I don't even remember the name. It was the book by that science fiction author's daughter. Daughter. Yeah, I know. Um, what you're and I couldn't get through the book. I just, I just, I don't, it's not that I don't want, like, it's not that I don't want to be informed about it. It's that I don't need the details. Like I, I don't, I don't want the details. It's disgusting. Um, and I, and she was obviously, she's not trying to be disgusting, like, but she's telling of her childhood and it's so heartbreaking that I just, it's, couldn't read it. it's a tough well, one. It's well, thank tough you, to read. Though. I am going to try to read that book. I haven't heard of it. <clears throat> um, Pirate Tomsky says, nice segue into Ralston College, which just got a degree granting rights in the U.S. and is specifically anti-woke. I heard about that, I think, on Lotus Eaters, but I haven't seen oh, too much. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I have not heard about that. Yeah, I'm glad that it exists. We should have someone from Ralston on to talk about the college. Uh, <clears throat> Zero Red Fox says... Criminal pathology and psychopathy help explain a lot of this. Psychopaths use ideologies and power structures as a mask, church, academia, woke, etc. Yeah, my understanding of psychopaths is they don't actually have empathy, but they are good at mimicking it. So they try and do whatever they see other people do that works, and they, they get very good at manipulation as a result of that. Is that correct? Do you know, Carrie? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Carrie's our resident expert on psychopathy. Uh, uh, yes, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I'm by serious. The way, uh, yeah. By the way, I'm excited. I'm going to be uh, going on a podcast. Oh, let me see if I can find the name of it. I think it's called the Disaffected Podcast. But he he's he's someone who watches Unsafe Space, and his show he deals in talking about psychopathy and Cluster B personality disorders and stuff like that, and. I find oh. that all of that really interesting. So, yeah, I'll yeah. let you guys know when that happens. Um, Mickey the Fourth says, "Careful with economics. Once you get to Austrians, it's a rabbit hole you can't escape." I just swallowed fifty hours of lectures from Mises Media in a week. <laughs> yeah, the Austrians are great. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Carrie's at risk of that anytime soon. <laughs> I go down a lot of rabbit holes on YouTube. Maybe. Not usually the. Uh, no, I'm more of like the true crime or the. Yeah, I was gonna say your rabbit holes start out with yeah. some horrific event. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm just, I'm still yeah. fascinated with hum the capacity for human evil, you know, and maybe I'll stop being fascinated with that at some point. But well, we just have to relate that. We just have to explain how the current economic system is the the crux of <laughs> yes. human evil. And then yeah. maybe you'll get it. Like, yeah. it needs to be the Fed just needs to be bloodier, more obviously bloody. Um, okay. Uh, Troy Martin says, Carrie, please pardon my cheekiness. Now I have to be cheeky, Troy, because I have to read this. Really? Please pardon my cheekiness. <laughs> but you are beautiful and so full of joy. Aww. You need to write a book detailing your journey out of wokeness. Thank you. I've been trying. So when I hear things like that, it makes me feel more inspired to get back to it and quit, quit uh, putting it off. Yeah, I, quit stalling, I, Carrie. Get back yeah. to writing. I didn't think that was cheeky. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Rib Rotgut says, "Are you outraged by the racist oppression of olive skin, quote black, princess brat, Megan oh. Markle, 
by the white supremacist British monarchy. You know, I didn't read too much about that. I don't like her generally, but what I did hear was that the royalty was like, how dark-skinned will be your child? Or what, like, I did hear that there was some racism happening. Um, I, I have to say, if I were Megan, I would think marrying British royalty would be, you know, it. I would expect some racism there, probably. doesn't make it okay. But, well, uh, you know, they're white aristocrats from Europe. Yeah. I actually read, I did read something this morning that was really good from Spiked. And mm-hmm. a couple people shared it and I, I read it. I did not watch the interview with Oprah, but I, and I would like to, because I want to see if I agree with this person's take. But let me just read this to you guys. This is from, on Spiked Online. It's by a guy named Brendan O'Neill. And the headline is The Unbearable Victim Complex of Meghan Markle. And the subtitle is the Oprah interview was an emotionally manipulative performance designed to consolidate Harry and Meghan's power. And there was one part of it, especially that it's a very well-written piece, but there was one part, especially that stood out to me, this paragraph. Um, Victimhood is the soapbox from which the new elites, whether lip trembling politicians or suffering celebrities presumed to instruct society at large about the right way to think, emote, feel, be. This is why Megan's confession of suicidal thoughts was so important. It felt manipulative. And that made me think about, and I do want to watch it to see if I agree with this person that it was manipulative, but a lot of people will use this current culture that we're in that, that, celebrates victimhood that gives social credit and power based on victimhood they'll use that and they'll uh try and paint themselves as a victim in some way while pushing lies or abuse or attacking others and or pushing bad ideology even and it made me think of aoc and the way she revealed her alleged sexual assault Mm. Yeah, she used it at that time and in that way. At that time and in that way to further assaults, to further her attacks on Ted Cruz and to defend calling Ted Cruz a murderer. She tried. She said Ted Cruz tried to murder her, and then, and then, and then she reveals well. And by the way, the reason I was so upset was because I'm a victim of sexual assault. That's that feels manipulative because it is manipulative. All right. It doesn't feel sincere because it's not sincere. And we talked about that at the time. I thought I thought her right. uh, confession of the, the alleged sexual assault. I have no idea if it happened or not. How could I? But I'm I'm not inclined to believe it happened because you've already shown me that you're willing to lie and manipulate. So why would I believe you? Like, yeah, I mean, if she had come out with it at some other time, unrelated, and just said, "I want to yeah. say this," you're using it in the context of yeah. further pushing lies and attacks. So anyway, that 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 I really like that part of it. But this is a great piece. If you guys haven't read it, uh, maybe Beverly or somebody can put the link in the uh, chat. The spiked piece. I don't. Know. I I don't. My problem with the whole thing is, I don't care about Hollywood, and I care even less about British royalty. Like, <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. like I she like. So you I, married some blue bloods, and they were racist. But they weren't. Oh, okay. So- like, I mean, they might have been, but the point is that's not even a huge part of her allegations. Like she says, in according to this article, she only vaguely kind of mentions that someone unnamed, unsourced, unverifiable, that someone asked about 
how how dark did she think their child would be? Um, well, A, I don't know if that actually happened. And B, if it did happen, I don't know the context of it. So I can't definitively say if something like that is racist or not, or if it even happened. It's such a weird thing to be like, and then have a whole Oprah uh, feel for us piece, you know, a two hour thing. The other, the other point is that the, the, the article, you know, points out that apparently they can, I don't like, I don't care about celebrity, all this stuff either, Carter, you know, that's why I don't follow it a lot. And so I wasn't aware of this, but they said she is continually talking about how she wants privacy and she wants the media to (laughs) stop digging into her. Go to Oprah to get your privacy. And then, but yet she does copious amounts of interviews where she just reveals all this personal stuff and and even says, I had suicidal thoughts and things in a manipulative way. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting. I am going to watch the interview because I'm interested in um, the the way that this article talks about it is sort of how, how do you get, how do you get the left to support this new kind of monarchy? these new cultural monarch, this new mm. elite, right? And and one way you do it is you exploit the victim ideology. And that's and they were saying this interview is a great example of that because you know she's wearing a five thousand dollar dress that she's probably never going to wear again. She's sitting down having an interview with a billionaire, and they're talking about how hard life is for them <laughs> and how oppressed they are. And how do you get people to? Uh, want to defend you and be, you know, how do you, how, how do you, you have to really try paint yourself as a victim, find a way, a way to paint yourself as a victim and have people identify with you. I don't know. I think it's interesting for that, for that reason. So, yeah, I just, I just wish that everyone would deny attention to the Royal family. True. Completely. Just, just stop oh. paying it. Like they're not, it, if they weren't rich, you wouldn't care. Like that- I, Actually, you know what's funny? I just saw a tweet from Chrissy Mayer. She's this comedian. Um, I was on her show recently, I, I should say, if you haven't seen it, uh, Chrissy Mayer on YouTube. But she just tweeted. She's a comedian who has recently left the woke left. And I really want to talk to her on our show. because she's. I've, I've, I find those stories of when people have just left, it's really interesting. And it is like leaving a cult. You have a lot of uh, shorthand where you just, you get each other to some degree. You get similar experiences and and experiences in the cult and leaving it. But anyway, she just tweeted, normalize ignoring celebrities, (laughs) which you should like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If I were playing on Twitter, I would like that. Um, Normalize ignoring Twitter. I would tweet that except. Carter normalizes ignoring Twitter (laughs) and celebrities and the. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm ignoring too much. Royal family. Mm. Mm. Yeah. All right. Um, Sue Escobar. Let's continue doing super chat. Sue Escobar says, "Read David McGowan's book, Programmed to Kill: A Different Perspective on Serial Killers, Mind Controlled Assassins, Satanism, and the Occult Are Involved." Sounds Thank like you. it's right up Carrie's alley. That book. <laughs> Cantonier check says, "Super Straight is the best troll for a long time." What's super straight? I don't know. Out of the loop. I don't know. Cheeky Mare says, don't let the articles eat your joy either, Carrie. Hmm. No, wait, wait, which ones? I like, When we were, I think we, this was when we were getting. Oh, oh, the dark stuff. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. No, I'm not. I just, uh, you know, when we you talk about stuff like that, it kind of is, it 
it's, yeah, it's just not pleasant to think about those kind of things sometimes. Um, but necessary. I have something. Right. Antonio Cardenas says, cool story, bro. Don't even know what he's <laughs> mocking, but mock away. Uh, the captain's log says, what powers were you guys born with? I'm always hearing that I have these powers because I'm white, but I haven't experienced them. I would like to control metal and magnetic <laughs> fields, though. Yeah, I, I think I would like invisibility. I think that would be fun. Um, but it's, it hasn't been working for a while, my, my supposed invisibility powers. Uh, I, I was not born with any powers. Uh, <laughs> privileges, they like to say everyone's born with, you know, you're born with privileges. If you're, if you're white, you're born with privilege. If you're a man, you're born with privilege. If you're straight, you're born with privilege. If you're a Christian, you're born with privilege, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what they don't acknowledge, and we've talked about this before, is I don't deny that people are born with privileges. We're not all uh, robots, you know, manufactured to the same, in the same place and in, in exactly the same way. And that's what they want us to be, though. They want us to all be robots. Um, they want a world like Harrison Bergeron, a world built on equity. But but we're all born with privileges and marginalizations. And to try and reduce that and boil that down to what racial group you're in and what uh, sex group you're in and what sexuality group you're in is it's not it's not based in fact or reason. And it, it becomes racist in the doing of that. It bec you become a racist if you continue to pursue that. You become a sexist if you continue to pursue that. But the biggest marginalizations people face, if you look at statistics and you look at, um, uh, you know, what what are the biggest indicators that a child is going to grow up and be successful? And it it's usually it's having a two parent home. It's, it's not, it's not about what race, it's not even about their it being born into poverty or not. It's about no, it's having a, a two parent stable, home, a two parent a home, ACE score. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a stable childhood and they never talk about that. That's ar arguably the best privilege you could have. And they never talk about it. I, do you think they might start talking about family privilege? Like just two, two parent family privilege? Only if they do, they'll only do it so they can destroy families. So they can right, say, of course, none of us, none of us deserve a stable home. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, yeah. Given, given. Right. That and, and if there's anybody new watching us, who's not familiar with averages or, or bell curves or how those things work, just don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying you need, I'm not saying that everyone born into a two parent home is successful, not at all, or that there's no success for people who didn't have a stable two parent home. Not at all. I'm just saying on average that helps. So uh, anyway. So you're saying? <laughs> no, Sorry, I'm probably I was going to troll you, but I... you know what? I used, I I'm trying to stop with those caveats because I'm so tired of it that like if someone doesn't understand averages, I just don't even want to. I still do the caveats because I reckon. I mean, there are new people who watch the show and all the time and maybe haven't heard that before and. I also think about, I mean, I, know, I, I try and keep in mind, what if my former self was watching and they sort of kind of agree with some of the stuff I was saying, but they truly just didn't understand what that. They this, didn't but understand. your former self knew what statistics were. 
Yeah, but you're also programmed to hear the wrong thing. You're also programmed to hear. So if someone says on average, you know, uh, what are the factors that contribute to a child being successful? Well, it's beneficial on average to have to be in a, have, have a stable two-parent home. You're programmed as an SJW to hear oh, things that aren't there at all. Oh my gosh, that person's saying you can't be successful unless you have two parents. That's classist and racist and that's this and that's, th you know, that and that's not it at all. That you need to be in the short bus class for that though. I mean, I, I don't even think it's, just to be clear, I don't think it's even necessary to say on average. When you speak using abstract terms that include groups of people, you can say men are taller than women. I don't have to say on average. I do. I, like, I don't, I don't feel the need to say on average because men means all men as a group of men are taller than women, all women as a group of women. I'm talking about two groups. I'm comparing two groups. It's implied that it's on average. I get that we can say on average and that's more clear, but the fact that even if you say on average, that's still not clear. I, I don't even know how to deal. I don't even know how to deal with that. <laughs> Since right. we're doing super chats, I wanted to yeah, plug something. Some I wanted to get better at plugging things that people in the community are making and working on. And uh, so I'm sending this to you right now. This is, if you have time. Oh, this to is my yarn color. Yes. So this is a yarn color <laughs> that's called Intermittent Frivolity. And I believe she's sold out of it right now, but she may have restocked since they told me that. And if you can put it up, it's called intermittent frivolity. It's named for the intermittent frivolity. We have an unsafe space. If you like this yarn color, you can get it from uh, Elizabeth can knit and we can put that on the screen too. I don't know if we can put that part on the screen. Oh. I'm, I'm lucky I can get the yarn on the screen, but here we go. <laughs> here. <laughs> we'll zoom in on the yarn. And her show is called, I mean, not her show, sorry. Her store is called. Can you pronounce that? I can't. I never can. I always get it wrong. You and die. Yeah, you and die. I want to say ooh, and I know that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> you and die. E W E and die. D Y E. Yep. Okay. I'll move it over cool. here. There we go. I told, the, I told the knitting ladies in Telegram we would put that up. All right. Well, you didn't lie. Put it up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how good of a job we did, but it's, it's up there. Uh, all right. Let's do another super chat. Um, Mickey the fourth again says, if Carrie's rabbit hole starts with horrible events, how could she not get into Austrians? The entire economics of the last century is one big horrible event. It needs to have blood and preferably <laughs> some intestines. And like, it needs to be like a very clear, if you want to start the story of economics, you have to start with some horrific, blood and guts and then get her hooked <laughs> into Austrian economics. You know, my preacher's been doing this interesting series. He just did the second sermon in, in this, this ongoing series that he's doing about um, what he calls like living through, or in the case of Christians trying to evangelize during the, an, a, during a zombie apocalypse, a cultural zombie apocalypse. And he's been using a lot of zombie imagery, imagery and analogy, and that works so great for me. And it, it made me, it caused me to think that, you know, because I've always been like also fascinated with uh, the kind of horror novels I like to read are zombie related, um, 
like uh, Rhiannon Freighter. I don't know if anybody likes that. Oh, you're series. the biggest zombie fan I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I really liked hers. I even like some of the splatterpunk stuff like Brian Keene. Um, but I started to think maybe I was all, and I was, I was really, you know, reading a lot and consuming a lot of entertainment about zombies back when I was in the SJW cult. And maybe part of the reason is my, it, it, there are people who have put forward the hypothesis that zombie movies become popular when culturally you're going through upheavals and times of war and that horror movies in general become popular uh, more popular when things around you are chaotic and, you know, like if the country's at war or something like that. And they've, they've talked about historically like George Romero films, when they released these different films, what was going on historically in the, in the context of the world that made these films popular at the time. And so that's all, always kind of a bit known hypothesis. I think among zombie movie fans is that it's somehow related to what's happening culturally. Are you looking world. at it and being like subconsciously like my people? Yes. Well, I think maybe maybe part of the reason I was so interested in it was because, yeah, because sub, on some deep level, it, I was in an ideology that turns people into a kind of zombie where right. they stop using their brain and they just start, you know, following the... Eating the, other people's brains, as an example. <laughs> eating other people's brains, <laughs> shambling around. What did my preacher say? He's like, zombies don't have community. They just shamble around and wait, you know, for it to get nighttime. <laughs> so they, yeah. they just... <laughs> anyway, I know that's really interesting stuff. Um, I know there are some other zombie fans in the in the in the community and in the unsafe space world, so maybe they have ideas on that. But yeah, tangent. no zombies are a great metaphor. Um, yeah. All right, uh, Andrew Joiner says the spiked bunch are pretty smart. Get Brendan on. I guess Brendan is from the spiked bunch. I don't know who he is, but okay. Oh, he's the guy who wrote that piece. Oh, okay. I Dance for Pennies says it's common knowledge that the royal family are pretty thick. If an outsider comes in, they can show them up pretty fast. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's not surprising, right? That's kind of how you think about European aristocracy generally, especially the British. No offense, British friends. Uh, Okay. Penumbra Syndicate says the human potential for evil is far deeper than most people can comprehend. That's why Kiara and I went shooting over the weekend. Wait, Kiara, Kiara? Oh yeah, my, oh, my Kiara. Awesome. Maybe it's yeah. your Kiara. I don't know. No, but. it's yours. So I won't say who this is, but I know who this is. And this person came to a civility dinner that I had, and your friend oh. Kiara came. Oh, okay. It is my my That's Kiara. Awesome. Hi, Kiara. Okay. Of course, you went shooting over the weekend because <laughs> Kiara is totally ready. She is ready to. She's ready for the zombie apocalypse. She's getting ready. She's got her Bitcoin, and uh, she's Kiara, if you don't know, we did an interview with Carter's friend Kiara a while back, Kiara Bickers, and she's the author of Bitcoin Clarity, and uh, it's a, especially if right now, I'm getting a lot of people asking me about Bitcoin, and I'm like, I am not the person to ask. <laughs> I, I will point you towards people that you can learn from, like Kiara, so. Yep. Uh, Jack Thorne. Jack Thorne says, please check out Americana by Boo Srinivasan. It shuts down so many socialist narratives. It was my jumping off point to economics. Hmm, interesting. I've never heard of it. Thank you, Jack. Uh, let's see. I will admit that Mises is not a walk in the park. Uh, it's a little bit dense. Maybe start with 
Walter Williams or Thomas Sowell. Uh, Nick Arteaga says, super straight trended on Twitter a few days ago. It's SJW speak for men who don't want to sleep with trans women. (laughs) 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 Oh, oh, so men. (laughs) So just like straight or, I mean, come on. (laughs) Wait, are they pushing this? In seriousness, or are people mocking SJWs pushing this? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell. I can't, I can't tell from his super chat. But yeah. <laughs> um, Rodzilla fifty three thirty two says, "Carrie, you must check out the salt over super straight. The memes <laughs> are gold, and the salt is overflowing. Best troll since it's okay to be white." Oh my gosh! You guys, thank you. I had no idea. <laughs> Super straight. Um, why bother says, by the way, about averages. Elect one woman, pay her one trillion dollars from the budget. Done. Wage gap in the US is solved. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if it were real and not fictitious, that would solve the wage gap wage gap. Uh Mickey the Fourth says, I'm sure that the blood of the last century economics fueled the hundred million dead. There's drama, there's blood, there's intrigues and theft, lots of theft. Yeah, maybe Carrie. Maybe what you should do. Maybe you. I know you liked the. She liked the documentary on the French Revolution. Maybe that's what she needs to just start. Start with the guillotine and move forward into economics somehow. Yeah, I'm really interested in the French Revolution. So if you can ground it there, just pepper <laughs> in. The, what I need is an economics course that we like peppers in the economics in between these Bloody really, guts. really awful. Uh, things that humans allow themselves to do. We should we should write a thing together about this because you have all the awful <laughs> things references. <laughs> you make me think of this comedian. I forget who it was years ago. You know, I used to have to go to a lot of comedy shows with what I did, and there was this comedian on stage. She was talking about with her girlfriend how they had differences. How her girlfriend is. She was like, you know, she's the type who likes to watch documentaries, and I'm like, will there be dragons in it? <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's what if we work something together, it'd be like that. It'd be like economics, but with dragons in it. <laughs> yeah, Z- zombie-nomics. That's yeah. the title. Zombie-nomics. <laughs> and uh, coming out next year, zombie-nomics, <laughs> an unsafe space original. Um, Kilgore says, "So glad you picked Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for book club. Words of wisdom for today: Don't panic, and goodbye, and thanks for all the fish. Those are some good words of wisdom." I hope uh, you'll learn this, Kilgore. Also full of Vogon poetry. So it's a chock full of lots of things in there. Um, and finally, Mickey the Force says, even the French Revolution was started by a stock manipulator named Cantillon who basically bankrupted France. Yeah, actually, that's a good point, right? One of the problems, <laughs> one of the, the causes of the French Revolution was the complete bankrupt economy. It wasn't just that, though. I think uh, Louis XVI's ancestors had done a good job spending a lot of money um, as much as they like to br- blame Marie Antoinette for her hats and stuff. I, I think there was a lot of mismanagement of money prior to, prior to the Louis the 16th. Um, Christ says, change the social passwords immediately. Gab had a massive security breach with exposed logins. Our other social accounts are at risk. Well, I probably won't do that during the show, but thank you, Jason. <laughs> you can change them, right? 
You can log in and change them. Change them to something. I don't care. Go change them. Uh, just tell me what they are later. Is this a trick? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, he's, that's Jason, and he's our social media guy. Go, go do it. Go change. Uh, that's fine. I'll, we'll, I got I'll do one it after the show. Ones where it said there's something, there's a virus on your computer, and we want to help you. <laughs> if we start uh, tweeting, <laughs> if we start tweeting about, uh, I don't know. Marginal. If we start figuring out white privilege, you know that we've been hacked. Um, MX says, oh, uh, it's not MX. MX is the <laughs> denomination of the currency. I'm sorry. I don't know what an MX is. As super Rob Pires Lou. Let me read this. What is it? As super straight myself, I am proud to be part of the LGBT SS. SS <laughs> <laughs> that is troll. That is not troll. You super phobes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rob. That is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Jack Thorne just gives us five bucks for no reason. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> we'll take it. Uh, and I, yeah, I, and now I feel Jason's got me. Like now I'm all. Should I be going and stopping the show? I'm not going to go stop the show. Jason, you can take care of our social media accounts. Uh, it's not like we have Twitter, so. Um, all right, Gear, um, can I can I uh, talk about one other? Yeah, I'm going to talk about something else. And do you have something you want to talk about right now? No, go ahead. Okay. I wanted to talk about this the other day when the ATF tweeted this, but I didn't. Um, and I'm going to talk about it now because. I did finally watch the Waco document. They're not the documentary, the series. It's not, you know, they combined some characters from whatever, but it's pretty accurate. Uh, the Amazon, I think it's on Amazon. Waco. Have you seen the Waco miniseries on Amazon? No, I haven't seen that one yet. It's a, it's a good one. It's compelling. Um, here's what the ATF, it's been 28 years, by the way since Waco. And I was not wanting to talk about Waco because I was like, it's so old. And then I realized I'm so old. There are adults who don't know Waco because they weren't born. So, or maybe we're very young. And I was, I was curious about a few, a few things. So the ATF tweeted this the other day. We remember the fallen agents, <laughs> of course. Their memory is selective. What they're going to remember is the fallen agents. Do we remember the fallen agents? Special Agent Conway, Le Bleu, blah, blah, blah. I'm not even going to read their names. Who made the ultimate sacrifice while trying to execute a search warrant. Now, so this is the Crimea River for our fallen thugs. Now, I just want to remind you uh, what these thugs were doing. Um, yes, David Koresh was a weirdo. He may have been violating some other laws, but uh, what the ATF was going after him for was failure to pay a tax, a, short, a small tax, an FA tax, weapons tax. Uh, they suspected that he had some uh, weapons that required a tax that he had not filed the paperwork for. Literally, like, you know, just, just some paperwork. The guy left the compound often they could have easily just served a warrant to him. Uh, he actually went shooting at a gun range with an undercover ATF agent. Would have been a nice time to serve him an arrest warrant then. 
off, off the compound, not around, not around women and children. But the ATF wanted publicity. They had a PR problem after Ruby Ridge. And uh, make a long story short, I mean, I'm not going to tell the whole story of Waco. You can go look it up and, and, and read it. Watch the, watch the Amazon um, watch the Amazon series if you want. But long story short, they killed 76 people and 25 of them were children, um, tear gassed and burned. All because of this. Now, the ATF, if you go to the link to the ATF, <laughs> I was like, what can they possibly say about Waco? Like, what the hell? How how little self-awareness do they have to write an article about Waco, highlighting Waco? So I'm okay. <laughs> so I'm gonna and they, they list like, oh, we found all these guns. Yeah, but they weren't illegal. So <laughs> There was like hundreds of people there. Of course, they found a bunch of guns in Texas. So, all right. They, they, this is how they whitewash it. A subsequent investigation by the Department of Treasury and Justice regarding the actions of law enforcement agents during the siege determined that well, well, some tactics and decisions were poorly executed. Some of them, oops. Oops, some of them were poor. And certain actions by the ATF were criticized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... But they love us in general. Here's their thing. The agency is made up of dedicated, committed, and experienced professionals who have regularly demonstrated sound judgment and remarkable courage in enforcing the law. That has nothing to do with Waco. That's a generic statement. ATF has a history of success in conducting complex investigations. Blah, 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 blah. Nothing to do with Waco. This is their, this is their, this is how they remember themselves. So here's what, here's what I wondered, Carrie. I thought to myself, okay. Let's let's go back in time. Let's look at. I ended up getting the 1992 budgets because this was 93. This happened in 93. Uh, actually, both Ruby Ridge and Waco, it's similar. Like I don't know, six nine months apart, something like that. The entire Department of Justice budget in 1992 was 10.5 billion, just under 10.5 billion dollars. Uh, of that, the ATF's budget was 251 million dollars and the FBI's budget was two billion dollars uh, now just to, to be clear the ATF started the crap at Waco the FBI is the ones who get credit for burning the children um, and like burning the compound down and uh, screwing the pooch on that so uh, so 251 million dollars and two billion dollars ATF and FBI budgets what happened after this? Did we do anything? Did we defund? Did we? The ATF was already worried about being defunded because of Ruby Ridge. They were already concerned about it. What did we do? Well, here we are in 2020. The DOJ's budget is now $29.2 billion. So that's almost three times as much as it was. The ATF's budget went from $251 million to $1.4 billion. So we have. I don't know, five, almost six times as much ATF as we had in 93. The FBI's budget has gone from $2 billion to $9.3 billion. And in addition to all of that, we have an entire new department, thanks to 9-11, or the backlash of 9-11, called the Department of Homeland Security, whose budget, last I checked, was about $51.7 billion. 
um, which actually isn't even completely accurate because they have, here's their budget. Here's their, hey, we have a short 93-page budget in brief. <laughs> hey, look, we're hugging some old people. Uh, here's the Department of Homeland Security. Their bottom line here is $51.6 billion for their uh, fiscal year 2020 budget. But they actually start out with $92 billion. They've got, they did, I guess they, uh, some of it goes to FEMA and some other stuff. So I guess $51.6 billion to screw around with people's freedoms. So this got me thinking so that I need to say one thing. This is really all I want to say. Um, when you don't, when you introduce force into relationship, you lose accountability. You don't have a choice whether your tax dollars fund the ATF. You don't have a choice whether your tax dollars fund the FBI or the Department of Homeland Security. Therefore, there is no accountability. The people who did these things didn't suffer any major consequences. The departments themselves didn't suffer major consequences. Um, when, when you introduce force, if Starbucks does a crappy job, you're not forced to pay for your latte. So you stop going to Starbucks and they either improve or go out of business and Pete's takes over. But when the ATF does a crappy job, you're forced to pay for them anyway. That force, thank you, IRS, that force, actually the ATF is also funded by their own fees, doesn't matter, you're forced to pay for them. That force means that they're not accountable to you. They're not accountable. They're not accountable to anybody. And this whole, one of the things that propelled Trump was this idea that the swamp has taken over and that the the little people, the, the <laughs> America's third estate had no voice. Well, that they don't have a voice. The swamp has taken over. They're, these people, 30 years later, I mean, and by the way, it's not like their budget went down a bunch for a bunch of years and then has recovered. They're just rewarded. They're just rewarded for, for crappy, crappy behavior. And there's nothing that you can do about it. You look like you want to say something, Carrie. Well, you know, I, I haven't watched this documentary. I did watch the one about... It's, it's just a miniseries, to be clear, um, so it's not a documentary. I just, I want or to documentaries, right. Yeah. Um, but I did watch the one about uh, Richard Jewell, remember? And the Olympic bombing and how the mm -hmm. FBI went out of their way dependent on him also 93 by the way yeah and there was no accountability for it and in fact after i talked about it once on a podcast people were pointing out that some of those fbi agents were involved in some of the stuff related to trump later you know in in terms of uh, <clears throat> uh russia gate and spying and all that stuff but yep. i haven't familiarize myself with Waco yet and I probably need to because I don't have what you're saying about it is different than the opinion I had. Oh, Waco is a is a I think anyone who looks at it objectively, Waco is a is a horrible horrible atrocity committed by the United States. There's no way around. What was the media, what was the cathedral saying about it back then? 
because he's I a must kooky, be, he's, he's a kooky polygamist yeah. who's abusing children. Um, okay. That, so that's how I, my opinion based on, you know, just, just picking it up through osmosis for the media and not really looking at it in 93, which what I was, I was still in elementary school or middle school or something. Yeah. So uh, I just, I just thought it was a crazy cult leader, which it seems like he was, but a cult leader who was abusing kids. And unfortunately uh, I, you know, I kind of put the blame on him and the other people right. there, instead right. of on the that's, that's the, yeah. And their official, their official story is that um, the AT or, and the FBI is sticking to this, the argument that, well, they, they killed themselves. They lit the fires, but, yeah. uh, but CS gas is known to, they use, they use tear gas that's flammable and it's been, it's been, almost not all the time but often when it's used in the past fires ensue um there are there were branch davidians who survived they all insisted that like mass suicide was never part of their plan never um and it doesn't fit with uh it doesn't fit with the what we know about the branch davidians um in fact the two people involved in the miniseries one of them was one of the Branch Davidians who had escaped, but one of the the other one was uh, uh, Gary uh, Nessner, the FBI negotiator, who was fired at the very end because he was close to a peaceful solution, and they basically the rest of the FBI was just impatient. Um, so, it's it's we have this tendency to just want to view our own government as the good guys and they're not the good guys often they are not the good guys this it was an this was an unconscionable thing just forget about everything else they could have they could have nabbed the guy when he was off of the compound away from the children if he was really that evil they could have arrested him and thrown him in jail when he was miles away from women and children but they didn't they chose to raid the compound while he was there they had ample opportunity to do something while he wasn't there but they didn't they didn't you have to ask yourself why the hell they did that and i you know i i don't know the answers the the show suggests that it was because they wanted publicity and they didn't like they did tell the media to come like they, they did want publicity that's known they did want publicity right because they were trying to save their reputation um and they you know figured rescuing kids would be good for them it turns out they didn't need to save their reputation because they behaved badly and uh a bunch of kids died and they still exist today and so i guess it doesn't really matter um but there's a line in the movie where uh one of the guys, I, I'm sure this is just made up, right? There's a line in the, in the miniseries where one of the guy, the one of the FBI guys, says, 5,000 to one." He says, "Those are the odds. There's there's five thousand citizens for every one law enforcement, and you know how we keep, uh, you know how we keep the peace? It's because they think we're powerful, and so we have to exert power. We've been sitting here for like however many days ahead, but weeks at that time, and we're, we look weak." Um, I looked it up. I think we're actually more like 333 to one, roughly, <laughs> right now. Maybe we were 5,000 to one in 1993, but uh, we're only about 333 to one now, which should tell you something about the size of the state. 
Uh, but I don't know. I've been reading. I've been reading. Um, I've been. I've been reading a lot of French Revolution quotes. But I'll read another one because this was uh, the tutor of Louis the Fourteenth's son. So I guess Louis the Fifteenth, or the heir to the throne, prior to the French Revolution. This is how kings and noblemen thought of the people, and I just think it's relevant. Uh, this is what he taught the king, the future king. Quote, uh, this is uh, Jean uh, Bousset, Bousset, I'm not sure how to say it, Bousset, Bossuet, I'll say that. Fear is a necessary bridle for the people because of their presumptuousness and their natural intractability. Therefore, it is necessary for the people to fear the prince. But should the fr- prince fear the people, then all is lost. That's that's where we're. That's the state that we're in today. Yes. That's the state we're in today. We are. This is why people hate the deep state and the swamp, and why they voted for Trump, and why they should not let go of that anger because that anger is right. It's righteous, and it's directed at a bunch of modern-day aristocrats who want to keep you in fear of their power and control. And the way they do it is they keep getting funded because they have no accountability because we don't hold them accountable. The only way to hold them accountable is to actually drop out of society and not pay any taxes because you don't make any money. Like, I, I don't know how else to do it, right? I don't, you're not allowed to say, here's my taxes. I would like to support these programs, but not the ATF, <laughs> not not the, not these bureaus. I don't want my money going to these bureaus. You can't do that. But at the very least, you could fire them. And if they're not going to have accountability for the people that make the decisions, then you have to ha- hold the whole bureau accountable. And if the whole bureau is not held accountable, then you have to hold the entire government accountable. Let's do some super chats. I will say, uh, just a correction. Somebody pointed out the a couple of people pointed out the Olympic bombing, where they tried to pin on Richard Richard Jewell was in '96, so it was a couple of years later. Oh, sorry, I was thinking the World Trade Center bombing, which was in '93. FBI also involved in that one. Um, they were the one that was the one where the FBI could have prevented it, but told the guy to use real bomb material. The informant was like, "Well." Should I like use not let's just fake material for the bomb? And they're like, no, right. no. And that was, was like, the FBI oh, also. The FBI said, yeah, use real stuff. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, use real stuff. You know, it's ninety three. We've done so much already this year. <laughs> let's let's keep going. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Why bother? Says I know something about dragons and economics, Carrie, or rather, <laughs> how Tooth Fairy drives inflation by printing money. A song from Tooth Fairy by Nana Wars of Steel. I don't know, that one. <laughs> I don't know why you're talking about, but that sounds great. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, by the way, if you want to read a comic book about it, uh, I don't know if you know, but my daughter and I read a uh, a book on unsafe space by Erwin Schiff, Peter Schiff's dad, called How an Economy Grows and Why It Doesn't. So, but there's no blood. Sounds riveting. Yeah, okay. I know. Uh, <laughs> Mickey the Fourth says, "Good intro into economics is the channel Radical Liberation, where I appeared, and I am sure you watched it <laughs> on that show. I got into Austrians." Oh, okay. <laughs> You're making Austrians sound like a drug. I got into <laughs> Austrians. Now I'm stuck. 
Uh, Jack Thorne says, my last chat did not go through. Oh, so here's five more. Thank you, Jack Thorne. Americana is the best story and drama of America mixed with with economics. Carrie would love it. Wait, what's it called? I can't see that one. It's not on the screen. It was Americana. It's the one that he mentioned earlier, I think, or someone mentioned earlier. Um, okay. We, Thank we you. can go through the Super Chats later and find it again. I won't do that, uh, but I'll write it down now. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to say Empress NM, E-M-P-R-S-N-M. Empress, New Mexico. I'm going to make up a name for you. Uh, says, Zombie Reaganomics? Nah, I've got nothing. <laughs> Zombie, Zombie Reaganomics. That could do. That could work. Um, tax, M. Tax Shark says, well, after Waco, the Clinton administration went on to pull Ilion Gonzalez out of a home and ship him back to Cuba. Yeah, but at least he wasn't in a cage because that would have been horrible. Um, Mickey the Fourth says... Talking about revolution, great channel, apostolic majesty, basically very conservative, reactionary, is doing his podcast on revolutions right now. Go and give it a shot. His take on history will make you break the cathedral. Uh, Bjorn says the ATF equals alcohol, tobacco, firearms, and explosives. Sounds like a fun weekend. It does indeed sound like a fun weekend, unless they are outside of your house. Because they're not there for fun. But uh, Here, I'll do the next one. Okay. G-Man. Thank you, G-Man. He says, Carter, the only way to fix... <coughs> excuse me. Carter, the only way to fix government is more government. Good or government. Government good. Government safe and warm. <laughs> <laughs> the goodest government. With a little man wearing a mask and some sheets. <laughs> I stand corrected, G-Man. You are correct. That is the only way to fix government. We just need... More, you know, the problem was the ATF's budget wasn't increased enough. If we could just make it tenfold, then they'll stop. Then it would be good. People. Yes. Would be great. Um, they'll stop killing people. Mm-hmm. Do you feel safer, by the way? So we are now, I, so 51 billion Department of Homeland Security. And, you know, we talked about the two, two to five times, three to five times more for ATF and FBI, depending on which one you're looking at. Uh, are we so, are we a lot safer than 1993? You feel a lot better? No. Is that a real question? No. (laughs) I just remember 93. I mean, everyone was running around with machine guns. It was horrible. Uh, It was like the Wild West in 1993. It's a good thing that we... What? Are you being sarcastic? Of course I'm being sarcastic. (laughs) We really needed the... I mean, people were getting kidnapped all the time. It was just explosive left and right. You couldn't go to the 7-Eleven without getting blown up. Uh, but the ATF Carter, has fixed that. Carter's being sarcastic. Okay, Mickey, one last one, and then I think we should wrap up. Mickey, okay. the fourth. Thank you. Mickey says Austrians are definitely are an addictive substance. substance. So. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like it's about economics anymore, Mickey. Like <laughs> I was say, that sounds like it's about something else. Uh, so... Carrie doesn't pick up sarcasm very well. No. And in fact, I want to clarify it sometimes because we're living in an age where sarcasm can get you banned. Sarcasm can also be used. People will willfully pretend like they don't understand the sarcasm, uh, take you out of context. Like there's a lot of issues with it. So sometimes I do like 
to point it out for anyone watching if they're not aware. Also true. Free speech. You can say I get something to be sarcastic. In, it, of course, I'm not saying you can't. I just like to <laughs> clarify when you are being sarcastic because sometimes I don't know. And you can say something okay. in a certain point, of, a certain tone of voice that, yes, I will usually take a person at face value when they use that tone of voice. <laughs> so it takes I tend second. to, uh, I think I tend, when I am sarcastic, I tend to do it in a pretty, like, I don't think, I, I think I tend to be like pretty low key about it. So I can see that it might be yeah. not obvious. Um, oh, well, I'll read this one. Hello, Carrie. Thank you, Stefan. Says, hello, Carrie and Carter. Love your show. Any thoughts on Marilyn Manson? Um, Too much I make. Well, it actually... Okay, so I need to I need to read more about the, the Mar Marilyn Manson allegations because my initial thoughts about it were kind of like, we live in a culture where a person and, and admittedly it's an entertainer and they're looking to for shock value and stuff, but as part of the culture that we're in in order to get attention, one way to do that is to try and disfigure the way you look and to look really demonic and, and to uh, wear, you know, the freaky contact lenses and, and um, we're in a culture where somebody does all of that. And then also has lyrics in their songs about, uh, and, and has done interviews about wanting to uh, use a sledgehammer to smash his girl, his ex-girlfriend's head and, you know, admitted to those kind of things. And we're in the kind of culture that just, that kind of encourages us to look at all of that as just, that's just an expression. It doesn't mean anything. And then flash forward to some of his ex-girlfriends coming out and saying, that he behaved inappropriately with them and locked them in a room. Someone said like denied them food, did things like, you know, abusive things to them. Um, I kind of, my first gut reaction was, was one that a friend had. And I saw her sort of saying like, you know, we don't trust our gut enough. We're being told not to trust our gut enough. If something seems off to us or if, um, if, if the cumulative impact of how they're, of what they're putting out into the world makes our gut feel a little off. We should listen to that instead of saying, I'm sure all of this outward, like the way that he dresses and makes himself look and all of his lyrics and all of that cumulatively means nothing. And he doesn't seem to have any pro like, you know, issues. So that being said, I also just don't tend, we're, we're living We're also living in a culture that is now giving a lot of credence to, as we talked about earlier, victim narratives and people coming forward and saying, I was a victim and here's what happened. And so there have been some of his ex-partners who said they never experienced that with him. Like Rose McGowan said that, although she is standing in solidarity with the ones who are accusing him, whatever, you know, whatever that means. Um, but I, uh, I don't know enough. I can't, I can't look at a person and judge what happened behind closed doors. I have no idea. Um, so I, I don't know if that's a long, that's not really a definitive answer. It's just what Carter said about being uncomfortable with not knowing. I don't know. We're not going to know. We're I mean, know. I, I like his song. Uh, We've got guns. Do you guys know that song? I don't know that one. I, I, 
I'm always suspicious of allegations that don't come out immediately after something occurred. Right. Um, I'm always suspicious of allegations that happen years later when the culture changes and and maybe there's a some reason for attention. Um, and you know, I maybe he did lock someone in a room. Maybe it was consensual. There's some weird kinks out there. Like, who, who knows? Good luck trying to prove that. How many years ago that, that, that this was actual abuse? I mean, it's. I mean, I agree with you. We we don't trust our instincts enough about uh, <laughs> people's behavior and their lyrics and their how they present themselves. But uh, yeah, I mean, I am automatically suspicious about past. Oh, a long time ago, so and so did blah blah blah. I'm like, okay, m- maybe. How are we going to prove it? I don't know. They do deserve, even if they're a creepy person, they deserve the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, it doesn't mean you're wrong. I mean, if you've got evidence that's that's hard evidence, then bring it forward. But, uh, you know, I- I'm suspicious of that kind of stuff in general. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also suspicious of people who dress and act and say things like Marilyn Manson does. So... <laughs> I, I mean, that's just a, that's a weird, like, Gavin DeBecker wrote this great book called Gift of Fear, if you haven't read it. Um, and actually, there's another book for parents about kids called Protecting the Gift um, that talks about your, it's kind of related to um, uh, Blink, that Malcolm Gladwell concept, but yeah. talks about your subconscious being an instantaneous integrator of uh facts and and observations around you and like sense data to kind of make what we would call like a gut feeling about something and it and his book is about teaching you to not just ignore that as you've told stories in the past of you ignoring your gut feeling about things and and almost coming to harm as a result of it um so i like i i think there's absolutely legitimacy there however I also think it's the kind of thing that, like, why are why are we obsessed? Okay, I know he's famous, but we're not going to know the answer to this unless she's got videotapes. We're not going to know the. We're never going to know the answer to this. So, I I don't even. I, I don't know that it's even appropriate to argue about because I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess these these kind of things uh, are important in that if it did happen. You know, well, first of all, I'm sure it is very cathartic if it did happen that you're saying this out loud and publicly naming this and what happened to you, no matter how late it is good. It is cathartic to do that. And then and then the other good that could come of it is if there are if it did happen. And I'm not even talking about this specific. I'm just talking in general when people make these kind of accusations. If it did happen, then it's also good in a second way, which is that if there are people who are who are freshly newly coming into contact with this person maybe you feel like at least you put your experience out there into the world. So if people choose to take you at your word or not, maybe you can save some people from going through what you went through with this person. So I, I mean, sure. you know, I'll, more the power to the people who are coming out and saying if this happened, if it happened. And I, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think we live in a time where, like you said, we're so ex- we're expected to always ha- take a side and have a position and have an opinion on things. And I'm not saying you person in the chat who asked, is is forcing it to i think this is a good question because it's it gets to the heart of like i don't know i don't have an opinion like I, my opinion is i feel i think this way and i also think this way and ultimately i think it has nothing to do with me 
and I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I view a lot of this stuff as like, I know that it's exciting because it's in the news and it gets clicks mm -hmm. and people want to talk about it, but there are disagreements between people who've dated. I mean, there's 7 billion people on the planet. There's lots of this kind of drama in every little nook and cranny of the world all over the place. I don't know what to believe who's lying and who's telling the truth and who did what. And like, it's not my business. I don't know. I don't, I mean, to some extent, I don't care. Not that I don't care, but like, it's not, I, I don't know. Just because it's a famous person doesn't mean I know any more than I would if it was some anonymous person I never heard of. I don't know. And you yeah. don't either. Like, not you care, but like, no, no one knows. Yeah. So like, that's something that needs to be worked out between the two of them and if it's going to go to court, I guess, between interested parties and a jury and whatever else, like it's, it gets worked out by people who care about it and uh, and have a vested interest in solving that problem. But, you know, I don't or getting to the truth on that matter. There's plenty of things we're not going to know the truth about. My guess is we'll never know the truth about the details of how crazy Marilyn Manson actually is versus how much is just projecting. That's OK. <laughs> uh all right. Captain's Log says, by the way, just to lighten the mood, are you talking about Marilyn Manson or Andrew Cuomo? <laughs> <laughs> I can I can safely sleep knowing Chris Cuomo is black on the inside, too. Yes, can't we all? Probably. I can safely sleep just knowing the Cuomos are in charge. Makes me feel good. I get a all really right. bad gut feeling about the Cuomos. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I felt bad saying about my gut feeling about uh, Mr. Cuomo last time, but... So, yeah. Yeah. Not my favorite kind of guy. Oh, all so right. Says, Aditha says, remember Aziz Ansari? Yes, I do. I met Aziz mm. once or twice. I can't remember. And and weird fact, I met him because I worked in comedy just in passing at something. But weird fact, he went to my small little science and math high school uh, a few years after me. I'm older than Aziz. Uh, but I do remember what happened to him. And I have more of an opinion on that. I thought that was a shameful uh, piling on and railroading of someone for what amounted to, according to the person's own article, just amounted to a bad day. Even if you took everything that person said at face value, it's like, so he's like not a good, he sounds like a jerk and somebody you wouldn't want to date if taking you by your word. There's no abuse there. In that story, there was no abuse. There was no coercion taking them at face value, there was no coercion in that piece. Yeah, I mean, if the allegations themselves are yes, ridiculous, that, you know, yeah, pearl-clutching, then fine. Simply a character assassination for clicks and for attention and uh, for whatever that person's own personal axe to grind was. I, that, I did have an opinion about that. Um, he did not yeah. sound like someone I would ever want to go on a date with. He did not also, he did also did not sound like someone who had sexually harassed or coerced or done anything inappropriate. Right. That. Yeah. Oh well. All right. Uh, I'm. I, we can wrap up if you want, Carrie. Yeah, let's wrap up. Just a reminder: if you want to join book club, this book is amazing. You need to go get it. Uh, I haven't been this effusive about a book in a while. The Fourth Turning by William Strauss and Neil Howe. This was suggested to us by Cameron Pasha, and it offers a a perspective that might help make sense of the place we find ourselves in culturally at this moment. And I would say just from having started it, I think it's 
doing that. That's going to do that. We're going to be discussing this book on March 28th and it's free and free to join and participate in book club. And you can go to unsafespace.com to the book club page to find out how you basically just have to send us an email and then you get the video link or you can be in the live chat like today, but I definitely recommend this book. Alrighty. Thank you all. We will see you on Friday, if not beforehand. Oh, and please hit like and subscribe and uh, <laughs> all the thing. do all the things. If you like the video, share them. We have a clips channel. If you don't want to share full episodes because we tend to meander, we have an unsafe space clips channel on YouTube. You can share that. And if you want to support us financially, you can go to unsafespace.com to the donate page and that'll take you to, there's lots of different options. If you do subscribe star option and you subscribe at the $25 level or above, you get a mug that looks like a grenade um, or you can just share videos uh, like, you know, send us email, whatever. We'll talk to you later. All right. <laughs> bye. Bye everyone. Bye Carrie. Thanks. <laughs>